Welcome to the latest episode of the Catalyst Health and Wellness Coaching Podcast. My name is Brad Cooper. I'll be your host. And today is an interview with Matt Fitzgerald. If you don't know Matt, you're going to want to get to know Matt when we're done here. He's a very well-known author, and in fact, he's written two of my all-time favorite books. Matt became a runner at the age of 11. He ran the last mile of the 1983 Boston Marathon with his father. How cool is that for a starting point? He never intended to marry his passion for sports, fitness, and writing, but that's how it worked out. He moved to California in 95 for no particular reason, and the next thing he knew, he was writing for the new magazine, Triathlete. Since then, he's been published in Bicycling, Maxim, Men's Fitness, Men's Health, Men's Journal, Outside, Shape, Stuff, and Women's Health. The son of a novelist, Matt has a special passion for writing books. And his best-known titles include Racing Weight, Brain Training for Runners, and Triathlete Magazine's Essential Week-by-Week Training Guide. Matt's also a certified sports nutritionist and has served as a consultant to numerous sports nutrition companies. He also continues to design ready-made training programs for triathletes and runners that are sold through trainingpeaks.com and finalsurge.com, as well as customized plans available through his own website. Matt intends to keep racing until he can't. He lives in Northern California with his wife, Nataki, who is more important to him, I'm glad to hear, than both running and riding. Let's jump in. All right, Matt. Well, I appreciate you joining us today. A whole list of fun questions. First one out of the gate. What drew you to focus on endurance racing, coaching, and writing. And I, I mentioned some of those uh, elements in terms of history from your bio, but just in general, can you walk us through that a little bit? Yeah. So there was definitely no master plan. Um, you know, I, I've always been someone who knows what he enjoys doing and insists on doing what he enjoys. And I, I grew up as a runner, um, developed a passion for writing when I was also quite young. Um, there was a little bit of chance involved that, you know, when I moved to California in 1995, uh, from the Philadelphia area, um, I wanted a writing job. Uh, the first one I got just happened to be with a startup, uh, triathlon magazine. And, and that I actually wasn't running at the time, but that, you know, open door, uh, sort of, um, it led to every other door that opened, uh, subsequently. Sure. Um, and, you know, I started training and competing again. Um, and, you know, at first I was just a journalist, you know, I, I didn't consider myself any kind of expert, but, you know, the more immersed I became in the, in endurance sports, uh, I started to develop an expertise. So started coaching, became a certified sports nutritionist. Um, and then, uh, you know, it just, you know, I, I kind of swung at every pitch, um, uh, <laughs> you know, did some consulting, speaking, um, and you know, now I'm, it's more than shoot 20 years, uh, into the journey and I'm, uh, pretty happy with how things have shaken out. Wow. Wow. That's awesome. I just noticed I've got my personal two favorite books of, of yours in front of me. And I just noticed that Samuel Marcora did your forward for how bad do you want it? That leads nicely into our second question. Cause obviously, uh, Dr. Marcora is big on evidence-based practice elements. What role are our wellness coaches are battling that constantly. They're, they're working with clients that are reading the headlines and then come to them with some crazy idea. What role do you see evidence-based practices having in your coaching and your writing? And why put the emphasis there and connecting with guys like Marcora 
when it's easier just to follow the dramatic headlines? Yeah, you know, uh, I'm someone who, you know, it starts with uh with my own athletics you know my own interest in in competing and succeeding i want to know what works not what's popular or new mm-hmm. or sexy you know i just i don't care what it is uh, as long as it's legal and safe <laughs> you, know, <laughs> you know and as a coach you know i want to be right um you know I, i'm not just going to latch onto something because i think i can make a buck or get my name out there um so that's really where it starts. You know, I'm, I'm, you know, desperately afraid of, uh, you know, being wrong or, you know, failing with an athlete I coach. So, um, you know, I, I tend to go, uh, take, you know, because I still really don't consider myself, you know, an innovator. I'm more of like a conduit from, uh, the real brainiacs out there to, uh, you know, everyday folks. Um, so, you know, I, I keep an eye on science, but, um, also I, I pay a lot of attention to what the most successful athletes in the real world do, you know, at, mm. at the elite level, um, right. because, you know, their livelihood is at stake. So uh, w- when you talk about evidence-based, um, it's not just science, it's also, you know, real world, uh, evidence as well. Nice. Nice. Okay. So our audience, as I mentioned, current or future health and wellness coaches, any advice you have for them as you've interacted with these different athletes for the other stuff? So some of their clients will be athletes. Some of them will be focused in the fitness arena, but other elements, you know, the sleep, the stress, the life balance. Have you, have you come across some of those things as you've worked with these high level athletes and interviewed some of these folks for your different books that might be helpful for the coaches? Yeah, you know, with endurance athletes, the, the the thing I love about working with them is that they don't need to be motivated. They just don't. <laughs> you know, they 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 bring that to the table. Um so I take advantage of that because they're not they're they're motivated to train and you know, they they are motivated enough to you know to spend money on the sport and put you know invest time in it, uh you know, sacrifice in other parts of their lives. But, you know, the motivation to do some of the ancillary stuff that supports their athletic ambitions, like, you know, eat right, uh, that comes from actually a different well of willpower, if you will. So sometimes in my work with them, you know, I, I like them to have to, to, you know, to have clarity on how everything fits together and everything matters. And obviously, you know, if, if you're, if you are an amateur athlete and your livelihood doesn't depend on it, you have to set a limit in terms of like how much you're going to prioritize the sport. Sure. But I really like, I like athletes to have clarity on, Hey, you know, if you want to be the best runner, the best triathlete you can, you can be, it's not all training. Um, and, and, you know, I think that that same uh, paradigm applies to, to non-athletes who, who are chasing other sorts of goals uh, mm-hmm. as well. They, you know, they may think that, you know, only two or three things really, two or three things really matter. And the way to get sort of get them to buy into some of the stuff they're not as motivated to tackle is to just, you know, get them to really understand, uh, you know, the impact that it does have. I mean, like, you know, take something like, like sleep. It's like the first thing to go for so many people, but mm-hmm. I mean, you're doomed without it. I mean, <laughs> you're not going to succeed in marathon training and you're not really going to think very clearly at work or, or whatever else, you know, whatever your goals may be. So you, you nice lead into the next question. Are, are there certain, you mentioned sleep, are there certain areas outside of the swim, bike, run, core, maybe even nutrition as our 
primary areas for endurance athletes. Are there other areas that you're starting to see a lot more kind of the balls getting dropped in those areas as they focus on the other four or five? Yeah, sleep is number one. And then some of them, you know, I guess uh, uh, like injury prevention, just sort of like people people need to keep it, you know, in mind that health is the foundation of fitness. So, you know, you can't, you know, some athletes, uh, you know, they're, they're inclined to just not eat enough, you know, especially a lot of the female athletes I deal Mm -hmm. with, you know, they think they, they sort of think, well, the skinnier I get, the, you know, the faster I'm going to run, but, you know, Mm -hmm. I'll point, I'll point to, you know, athletes, you know, top female, uh, endurance athletes who, have long successful careers. And, you know, the point I make is like, these people are healthy. Like they, you, you know, you might have, you might lose 10 pounds the wrong way and have one good race. You're not going to still be, uh, you know, having a lot of success and, and developing as an athlete two, three years from now, unless you just have a solid, consistent foundation of health. Um, so there's all kinds of balls people will drop you know, with respect to uh, main building and maintaining that foundation, one that I'm always beating the drum on with, with athletes is um, some of the stuff like, you know, foam rolling and, and, you know, mobility exercises and stuff that like, you know, I get it. They're like, I got to make time for that too. But uh, <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, it's like sooner or later you, you either get on board with it the easy way or you get hurt and you got to get on board the, the hard way. Right, right. Man, I love that. So health is the foundation of fitness. That is, there's your next book title, man. That is, that's so key. So, so did you come across that accident? Like, did you just keep seeing over and over and over either in your own training and racing or in the, the clients you were working with? Has that been something you've always seen as a, as a core piece? Or is that something that, boy, over time, it just became so obvious health is the foundation of fitness? Yeah, sort of the way I came at it, I guess, intellectually versus experientially is, you know, I I was an English major in college, so I don't come from, you know, a biology chemistry background. Mm-hmm. So I, I was sort of, you know, late to the party and had to, you know, bone up on my exercise physiology. But, <laughs> what, what, you know, when I did, you know, crack open the textbooks and, and learn what I found was, you know, everything you need, like all of the uh, uh, physiological underpinning pinnings of endurance fitness are just are like they're more of the same of what you need for health you know what i mean like a, mm-hmm. a lean a lean body composition or you know a high level of insulin sensitivity in uh, lean mus- muscle tissue like you want some of that just to be healthy and you want more of it you know a strong immune system um a good an inflammatory control system all, all these things it's total overlap they 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 help you just feel good and be functional uh, and it'll avoid disease and, and live a long life, but they also help you train effectively, recover and succeed on race day as well. Um, so it, it's just kind of like a, a basic biological fact, you know, that health is in fact the foundation of fitness. So good, man. That is so good. Okay. So you've written a lot about nutrition and fueling for athletes. Any tips, kind of, you don't have to go through all your books right now, but, um, and, and feel free to reference a, a book or two that you feel like would really be applicable for this audience. But any specific things, tips that you could provide the listeners? And again, the listeners are either current or future wellness coaches. Yep. If they are working with athletes, any little tidbits that you think might be good to, that, that would take them beyond the typical things they read about? 
Yeah. You know, what I'm always encouraging athletes to do in, in their nutrition or in their, you know, efforts to, uh, you know, turn diet and nutrition to their greater advantage as athletes is to think in terms of tweak, don't overhaul. Um, you know, in the, uh, you know, the, the diet culture, the, you know, the popular diet culture, uh, that we are currently surrounded by. Sure. Uh, there's, there's this tendency to like, you know, a diet has a name and you go on it and it's like, it doesn't matter. <laughs> it doesn't matter. Like, you know what I mean, it doesn't matter what you've been doing in the past, like what you like, what you're used to, what seems to work for you versus maybe not everyone. And then you just, just like throw all that all out and start over. I encourage, I always, you know, when an athlete, you know, wants me to help him or her with, you know, with, uh, you know, an improved diet. I don't just tell them, here's the diet. I ask them a bunch of questions. I want to, I want to know everything about what they're doing now because I want to change as little. Because people generally, by and large, they eat the way they do for a reason. You know, mm-hmm. they, they, they like it. It's convenient, whatever. Um, so I, I just, I, I take, I want them to know where they are now. Um, uh, and, you know, look at, you know, just some basic, uh, just doable things that, that they can adjust in order to get better results. And once you're getting the results you want, don't change anything more than you have to, uh, because it will make the whole thing more sustainable. Man, you're you're giving us some nice sound bites here. Tweak, don't (laughs) overhaul. I mean, for our coaches, (laughs) coaches, are you hearing this stuff? I mean, tweak, don't overhaul. That's, that is, that, that's wisdom, man. Um, okay. So now on to my selfish part of this interview, you've written my, probably two of my favorite 10 books of all time. And they're sitting right in front of me. How bad do you want it? And Iron War. Dude, I swear to you, every time I compete at Kona, Iron War, even though it's a worn out hardback with the pages bent and tweaked and all that, it still finds its way into my limited suitcase space. And then how bad do you want it? I mean, you talk about motivation from the get go. Dude, so good. So good. So we, I'm looking for more of these. Keep this up. This is great stuff. But as you're working, these are the best athletes in the world, generationally, that you're talking about in both of these books. Are there, so, so some of the things that they do maybe don't apply to, you know, Dave Scott racing the school bus to school at age whatever, uh, on his bike probably isn't something we're going to encourage our kids to do right out of the gate. But are there certain lessons that you picked up from talking to these generationally amazing, incredible athletes that would apply to broader aspects of our own lives? Yeah, for sure. You, you know, it's tough. I, I wrestle with this because I, I naturally, I, I'm sort of a best practices oriented person. So, you know, I, I like to look at what the greats are doing and say, well, you do that too. But you have to keep in mind, it's not all duplicable. You know, uh, you know, we can't, we, you know, some, some, you know, some people are just born with something special and, and you know, that, right. that's fine. But I think there is stuff. It, it's helpful at least to understand what some of the consistent, uh, magic is that, you know, that, that all these, uh, you know, world beaters tend to have just uh, on the psychological side, you know, sort of at a 50,000 foot level, the thing I see over and over and over with these athletes is a, a high level of self-trust. Um, mm. the, <laughs> if you want to soundbite the, uh, the, the phrase I like to toss out is, it's just me against the world and I like my chances. Like that, that, that is the attitude these folks have. And it doesn't mean they don't like have, you know, 
moments of doubt or you know moments where they they lose confidence but they're 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 not always scrambling looking uh for you know for answers outside of themselves you know b- because it, ultimately you know it's just a series of decisions and judgment calls that get you from point a to point b whatever point b is for you and it, it's funny you know a lot of the top athletes they're not necessarily the most physically gifted folks like right. the, the most physically gifted ones are usually kicking butt as freshmen in high school Right. But they're not necessarily the ones who are, you know, world beaters 10, 12 years down the line. Often it's the people who have just a little less physical talent than that, but a little more something going for them, you know, between the ears. And, and that self trust piece I see over and over. Now it's, you know, I don't, it's not the easiest thing in the world to train, but I'm sort of, it's one of those things that I'm, I'm sort of working on now. It's like, how, how much of that can we take out of the brain of a Dave Scott? And impart into others, but you know, just to make it really concrete, like one of the tips I give people, athletes, when I'm trying to sort of develop a greater level of self trust in them is to to get them into the habit of giving themselves the same advice they would give to someone else. Mm-hmm. You know, because often you know we we have that voice of reason inside us, but we have difficulty applying it to to ourselves. So it's just you know if you have you know some kind of setback, some kind of challenge that you encounter. Uh, you know, when you're looking for an answer, imagine it's a friend of yours, uh, who, who's going through that challenge. And, and chances are you'll be able to come up with some good advice for that person and then just turn around and apply it right to yourself. You can, I think through little tricks like that, you can start to bootstrap your way toward that, that, uh, you know, critical self trust. You know, as you say that, I, I think that's another great tool for the coaches to use to encourage their clients. What, what advice would you give someone else? How do you apply that to you? But at the same moment, I'm saying, wow, that's a really good idea. I struggle mightily in applying that basic concept in my own life. And I know better. Yeah, I'm right. Okay. But so have you seen kind of that next layer of, okay, agree. Like we all think that's good advice. That's a route to go. But I, I'm not going to do that. So any kind of second level advice of when you're not used to doing this, I've found this to be a little tweak or trick or whatever to help that be more consistent or to get started doing a little bit of that. Any, anything like that you can throw out to us or maybe just to me. Yeah. Well, you know, you know, I guess, you know, kind of a next step is, is just to think about, um, you know, outcomes, you know, what, what are the risks of making Decision A versus decision B. Um, what are the, the possible pluses of going in, in one route versus the other? And what's, you know, how do you weight the risk? You know, what's, what's a more likely outcome, the good or the bad when you, when you make decision A versus decision B? Sometimes, you know, it all sounds very rational. And, and the problem is emotion gets mixed up in all this, but sometimes <laughs> it's just, you can sort of, you can sort of, uh, you know, help your rational side, you know, take the wheel in your mind by actually putting this stuff down on paper. Mm. Um, you know, it's like, I know the smart thing is to do X, uh, but I'm really tempted to do Y and just, you know, sit down with a sheet of paper and, and a pen. If people still use these instruments anymore and, <laughs> and, 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 and lay out pros and cons and just, you know, you'll have it looking and, uh, you know, staring you in the face. And it just, and it, it, it's just a funny thing. You know, last, last summer I, I spent in Flagstaff training with a, a team of professional runners and I have never seen more athletes 
bail out of workouts than I did among the, these professional athletes really? who are trying to, you know, go to the Olympics. And it's because of judgment. Like, it's not because they're not tough. They're the toughest people. Right. Uh, I, I, they're also, they, they have toughness in spades, but they, they, they just stay rational, you know, like they'll get 24 miles into a, a 26 mile, you know, depletion run, you know, four weeks out from, a, you know, a marathon and, you know, uh, like their hip starts acting up and they just stop. And of, wow. you know, it is so tempting to run those last two miles. I'm so sure. close. Always. And, you know, my, my, my confidence is going to take a hit. But I saw it again and again, not just with one runner. There were a dozen on the team, and they all did it, and they, they just lived to fight another day. And uh, you know, so yeah, I'm not just saying this because it sounds good. Like it really is a key to success. It's just to you know to learn to practice good judgment consistently. You don't have to prove your toughness over and over and over again. You got to be tough, yes, but also as as smart as you are tough. Oh man, so good, so good. I mean, that, there's another book for you. You can have that positive bailing out strategies or something like that. That's, yes, yeah, just quit. Yeah, <laughs> quit now, win tomorrow. Something. Like that. So we've got some endurance coaches. You're writing that down, aren't you? So we, we've got endurance coaches that end up getting their wellness coach certification as kind of a a way to broaden their audience to to expand that out. So. I'd love to get, without you giving all your secrets away, but you do a lot of endurance coaching. So any, on the business side, any tips for those people that are listening that are saying, hey, I, I want to grow my endurance coaching and I happen to get this wellness coach certification, but man, I'd love to hear a tip from Matt. Any, again, you don't have to give us the, the big secrets, but anything that you think would be helpful in general about building their business, either as a, a broader coach, wellness coach, or specifically to endurance coaching or some combination of the two? Yeah. You know, this is, um, you know, I get versions of this question, you know, fairly often. It, I find it a tough one to answer just because my, the path I've traveled is mm -hmm. so, so unique. And yet I, I do think there's something that is, that can be learned, uh, from, from my example. And, you know, in my case, you know, I, as I mentioned, I started off as a, as a writer. Um, and then sort of became a, a, a coach and an expert and an authority or, or what have you. And what I've found, you know, now that I'm, I'm kind of both of these things is that, you know, so much of succeeding this in this sort of business is just standing apart mm -hmm. from the noise. You know what I mean? Like the, the, there's a lot of competition out there and, you know, simply being good at what you do is, is no guarantee of success. Like just people have to know you exist. You know, you have to have some kind of reputation. Like I had that problem solved before I even right. was good at what I was doing, you know, cause, because, you know, my, cause my name was out there. And so, but you know, that, that's pretty powerful. Um, so people who are kind of coming at it from the other direction, I would just encourage you, like, don't underestimate the importance of, of, you know, putting, uh, time and effort, you know, not just into practicing, uh, your, your coaching thing, but into, you know, building your name, getting it out there, you know, you know, I'm a writer by profession, but everyone learns how to write in school. And, you know, starting, it's never been easier. You know, you can, you know, find ways to, you know, contribute to websites or, you know, have a blog or use social media, you know, to quote unquote, create content and and build your brand. And then, you know, because, you know, if you build it, they won't come. You have to build it and market it. 
All right. Good stuff. So on that note then, so if your own coaching practice and, and obviously writing is your your heart, that's that's where everything started and, and you love doing that and you always have and your dad was a novelist. But what where do you see your coaching practice developing, expanding over the next decade, or where would you like to see it expanding and developing over the next decade? Yeah, that yeah, that question is timely. So, you know, I, I do a little bit of one on one coaching, but a, a lot of sort of coaching and uh, mm-hmm. mass, um, uh, you know, have, um, you know, training plans that sort of sit online and, you know, people can, you know, choose them right. a la carte. And I, I have a kind of a custom training plan service, which is, it's a nice sweet spot, spot between full one-on-one coaching and the sort of cookie cutter ready-made stuff. Uh, so I've, I have a, this business called 8020 Endurance. I have a partner in it, uh, David Warden, triathlon coach. So we've got a little momentum behind this thing. You know, there are a couple books that are getting that 8020 shtick out in, into public view. And it's sort of, it's one of those things where it, you know, I told you I swing at every pitch. It was just another sure. pitch I swung at, but it's really gained some traction. Um, and I, I would like to, you know, I'm not really a businessman, but I am in the process of sort of like getting the right help, the pieces in place to sort of turn this into a proper business, um, you know, to actually uh, include some o- offline elements like clinics, maybe a you know, coaching certification program, uh, also to do more of what, what we're already doing. So it's kind of fun. You know, I'm, you know, I'm 47 years old now and, um, you know, I, I like what I'm doing, but I also like to just take random left turns. And, and so this is one that I think could be kind of fun for the decade ahead is just to uh, wear more of a, a business hat and, and see where we can take this thing. And, and what makes me feel good about it is that it, it's really started with a demand. It's not sure. something I'm forcing down people's throat. It was just, it was just something I thought was valuable that I offered. And it, it just, it kind of uh, just people liked it and wanted more of it. Well, congratulations. I'll, I'll look forward to following you with that. That sounds awesome. Okay. So now moving from your business to you, we always like to ask folks about, okay, we're talking wellness. Coaches are listening. On your personal life, are there certain areas outside of your direct training or getting ready for a race? But in terms of your broader health and well-being, are, are there certain areas or maybe just pick one that you're focused on now and any insights about how you're going about that and how it's going good or bad yeah you know one thing uh, that that i have learned to do more of is to not try to solve everything myself fix everything myself you know i mentioned that flagstaff professional mm-hmm. or fake mm-hmm. professional runner experience i had you know it, it was kind of humbling in a way because i went into that feeling like i knew what i was doing but then you know i was coached by you know a true elite level coach and you know, had the resources, you know, the physical therapy and, and, you know, all the other stuff that, you know, professional athletes uh, have. And I, I feel like I, I felt like I aged 15 years in reverse, <laughs> you know, I, I ran the fastest marathon, I ran the fastest marathon of, of my life. It was like my 40th marathon. Wow. I, I, I beat like a nine year, nine year old personal best that I thought I would know, I wouldn't touch again. And I thought, wow. I really didn't know everything. <laughs> so now going forward, I've kind of shifted back into triathlon mode and I'm just, I'm sort of making, I'm just being, exercising more humility and just getting help from people who are just, you know, specialists. You know, we're also kind of siloed these days in, in our areas of expertise and 
yeah, I know a thing or two, but I don't know everything. So for example, on Friday of this week, I'm going to spend an entire day at this kind of fancy uh, athlete-oriented physical therapy outlet in uh, Palo Alto, California, just getting all ki- all manner of testing done, having my you know, swim stroke videotaped and getting a bike fitting. So I'm very injury prone and I'm sort of kind of all dinged up right now. And I'm just going to show up at this place and say, I'm in your hands. You know, I just, I just want to be healthy. I, I'm not that great at doing it all by myself. And one thing I, I can trust myself to do is just do what they tell me, you know, because I've learned the value of you, you got to right. choose your experts. You got to choose your resources carefully. But once, you know, you have that, you know, faith in, in the people you've chosen to help you out, just let them do it. And so, you know, that's, that's what I'm trying to do. Thanks for sharing that with us. Really appreciate that. So last question, just any kind of wide open, any tips, comments, anything as you think about someone in or considering going into the health and wellness coaching arena, any last little tidbits, tips, comments, ideas that you'd like to throw out there for them? Yeah. You know, one thing uh, I I thought of sharing in answer to that question is um, the value of walking the walk and being seen by your clients and potential clients doing that, that's mm-hmm. really powerful. Um, you know, I think, you know, I mentioned the importance of, you know, building a reputation and a brand and, and marketing yourself, but just, just modeling the lifestyle that you're trying to get other people to follow. Um, you know, I, I am an athlete and I, I, I like to share my journey. And I just, I noticed time and again, that people really latch mm. onto that when they, they see that I'm out there doing exactly you know what what they're trying to do and i'm also you know i try to be very transparent and you know vulnerable as well when i just when i have a setback Mm -hmm. i don't hide it when i don't know an answer i admit it um when i fail i fail publicly but um uh it can be a little scary to to do that but just um people people value they want to see realness you, you know um so you know, you, because there's an aspirational element that they don't, you know, your clients don't want to just know you're knowledgeable. Uh, they, they, you know, they value, you know, sort of authenticity and, and it's easier to get people to do something if, if you're doing Beautiful. it yourself. Where, how do people follow? Like, I know how to follow you, but do you want to share with Twitter, Facebook, that kind of stuff, <laughs> best ways to keep up with latest books, latest things you're working on, the journeys, the, the realness. I mean, there, there were just so many nuggets in this little, 30 minute chat that I think the, I mean, you're going to have a lot of folks that are like, Hey, I like that guy. I want to follow what he's doing. So best way for the people to track you down, <laughs> what, what would you suggest? Yeah. My personal website is mattfitzgerald.org. There's also the 8020endurance.com uh, business hub. I am on Facebook and uh, Twitter is at mattfitwriter. Well, buddy, I really appreciate it. Thanks for jumping on with us and we'll call it a day. All right. Enjoyed it. I hope you enjoyed this throwback episode. This was one of our most popular episodes of all time, and there's a good reason for that. Matt Fitzgerald has a new book out. It was not mentioned during the podcast because it wasn't ready back when we recorded this originally, but it's called Life is a Marathon. It's definitely worth picking up. As I mentioned earlier, he's also the writer of two of my all-time favorite books titled Iron War, and the second is How Bad Do You Want It? I rarely, rarely read books a second time, and I've read both of these multiple times. Definitely worth picking up. 
If you have any questions about your career, about this whole certification process, how it works, continue education for coaches, the coaching retreat, any of those kinds of things, you know where to find us. Results at CatalystCoachingInstitute.com. Drop us a note. We can set up a time to chat. That's what we're here for. We talk to folks every single day about how this whole coaching thing works, what the industry looks like, how to prepare for the national exam, any of those kinds of things. So feel free to drop us a note. All kinds of details available on our new website. Pretty excited about that at CatalystCoachingInstitute.com, including details about the upcoming certification fast track programs. We now offer those both in Colorado and an upcoming one this fall in New Jersey. And we've got the coaching retreat in Estes Park, Colorado that is teed up. And boy, that's going to be exciting. So if you're listening to this prior to September and you're a coach, you might want to check that out. In any case, thanks for joining us. Thanks for spreading the word. You know where to find us. We are here for you anytime. And remember, we talk a lot about our best self in this whole thing called coaching. But folks, it's all about better, better than yesterday. Best self can be so intimidating, it can be scary, it can be overwhelming, but better? Hey, we can do that, right? We can help others do the same. So thanks for joining us. I look forward to speaking with you soon on the next episode of the Catalyst Health and Wellness Coaching Podcast.